are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. We are starting a new sermon series today. Is this going to be a, a, a quickie, a shorty? It's going to be two or three weeks on politics and all that. You've been wondering, you know, when are we going to talk about politics? So I'm kind of like, yeah. You know, I was in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee when I was just started college, and I was from northern Illinois. So to Tennesseans, that meant I was a Yankee. You know what I'm saying? And this lady, this girl came up to me, and she goes, you, you talk funny, she said. I'm like, no, you talk funny. I don't talk normal. And uh, so we, we'd have these, like, these conversations about, you know, Yankee versus the South. And I'm getting my hair cut for school. And this guy's talking to me and telling him I'm going to college. He goes, what are you studying? We talked about this for a little while. And we're talking some more. All of a sudden, he just stops and he goes, what do you think about politics? And I'm like, Paula Ticks. She must be a country western singer or something. <laughs> and I said, because uh, that was that southern draw, that Tennessee draw, Matt, Paula Ticks. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't think I've listened to her before. He goes, oh, you know, government and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah. So we're going to talk about Paula Tix today and her great singing career. Um, I don't know if you know or not, but there was an election last week. No, you paid attention to that. You know, we're, a lot of people are talking about that a little bit, and the, the results are dragging on. Uh, much like in the, it reminds people of the 2000 election where it came down to the state of Florida, and they, had to, they did all these legal challenges, and... It was really good that George Bush became president instead of Al Gore, because with George Bush, we got what was called Bushisms, you know? With Al Gore, we would have got Al Gore-rhythms, <laughs> you know? So I guess Bushisms were better than Al Gore-rhythms. So uh, did you hear about the senator who, who won his election even though he didn't have thumbs? Did you hear about that? He ran unopposed. I got a million of them, you know? Where's the drummer? <laughs> well, I hope you voted. Some of you guys voted for the first time. Congratulations. It's still a good thing to do, and we'll see what all happens here. Now, at some churches, everyone agrees on politics. We're not one of those churches. <laughs> and I'm glad, because it shows there is some diversity. I've got a theory about churches where everybody agrees, either you know, they just attract people who are just like them, or they run, run off the people that don't think like them sometimes, you know. It happens both ways sometimes. But we're, we're diverse, we're different, we have different ideas and opinions, and that's, that's not bad. Uh, we just have to navigate through it together. Um, and I tell you, whoever wins, when it all comes, you know, Joe, Joe Biden looks like it's going to be him, if not, whoever it is, we're going to support, we're going to pray for our president, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for our government, we're gonna respect those in authority. Uh, I know, de- depending on who is president, sometimes I see and hear things that just kinda turn my stomach, that are so disrespectful, and it's, it's not the way that God wants us to be, so. Um, but anyway, as a, as a community of believers, as a church, so we have to pay attention to each other, and respect each other, and our opinions and thoughts, and uh, and be careful, because this, we're getting more emotionally invested, aren't we, in this whole political thing? I mean, it's getting crazier and crazier. Four years ago, the day after the election, I went to work, as I always do, and there was a girl uh, who works next to me, and she was crying. I mean, she was just crying, 
you know, and I went to her and said, oh, what's wrong? And, and it took a while, and, and the person she wanted to be elected didn't get elected, but I mean, she was literally in tears. So I just asked questions. Well, tell me about this. What are you, what are you feeling? What are you thinking right now? And I just learned and listened, and I thought, man, we are getting emotionally invested and stressed. And I don't know where you are. I, was just, I just wanted it to be over with. You know, all this stuff that's been going on, all the political mail, all the advertising, all the crazy stuff going on, uh, and it just wears us out. In, in Kansas, they spent, one, one candidate spent $25 million on her Senate run. $25 million. It set a record. There was a guy who ran against Lindsey Graham in South Carolina that didn't get a whole lot of votes. He spent $100 million on one campaign. I mean, we, we are invested and for, for a lot of us, one reason I wanted to talk about this is all of the political commentary, all of the advertising, which is always nice and positive, isn't it? It's always uplifting and, hey, we really like this guy, just don't vote for him. You know, he's, he's got a wonderful family and great reputation, and no, it's never like that. It, all of the stuff we hear, it creates in us an exaggerated sense of importance about politics. We, think, we feel like life and death is coming down to politics, that life and death is coming down to who's president, who's a senator. Those things, I'm not saying they're not important, but it takes on an inflated sense of importance to the neglect of other things. And if we're not careful, we're talking about politics all the time, to the neglect of things that we need to talk about. And even as believers, we're getting stressed. I saw an article by NPR, it's called, Election Got You Stressed? You're Not Alone. It said, America is waiting on the results of a close and contentious election, and we're not sure when we'll know who won. This was earlier last week. But one thing both parties can agree on, they're stressed. An American Psychological Association poll showed that more than two-thirds of adults are finding the 2020 election to be a significant source of stress. And, and they give numbers. It's a poll. You know, we need one more poll, don't we? This includes 76% of Democrats and 67% of Republicans. I think they just made those numbers up. I think they just took the six and seven and, and flipped them. You know, I don't know. Um, because we're dealing with a sense of un, a chronic uncertainty, said Judson Brewer, Director of Research and Innovation at the Mindfulness Center at Brown University. He says this, the tension from the pandemic coupled with that from an unresolved election can create a high level of anxiety. Now, who can relate, <laughs> you know? I think, as in general, we are just a little stressed out right now. Now, he gave some solutions. I'm just going to read them because they're interesting. Practice breathing. Can we do that together? <sighs> I've never practiced breathing before, I don't think. That was the first time. Stop doom scrolling. The world as we know it is going to come to an end because your candidate didn't get elected. Get some exercise. Talk with friends and family. That can, that can be more stressful if we're not careful. You know what I'm saying? Talk with friends and family. And practice meditation. That was his last one. So I, I don't agree with all those, but they were, they were interesting. So for us, we're just going to take a few weeks. We're going to get some perspective. We're going to look at God's Word. Uh, I want to draw our attention to what I think is the most important thing, and I don't know about you, but this is how I pray during elections. God, I know what I want, but Lord, you know what we need. Even if it brings short-term pain or short-term good, Lord, your work and your plan, history is his story, 
So God, you're in charge. I want what you want. That's what I pray. Um, what I want to draw attention to today is that we've got to know that we're the church. We've got to know that we're the seasoning for the world. We've got to know that we show people what it's like to be part of God's family. <laughs> and we bring his perspective to the world. And, and, and that's the important thing uh, that's coming. Uh, we belong to a government that's more solid, more tangible, more important than human governments. Will alluded to it earlier. It's the kingdom of God. Don't, don't make a mistake that that's not a government. In fact, it's, it's the government. I, saw, I was in stereo for a minute. That was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, our leader didn't lose or win. Actually, he wins, but <laughs> and he's not going to lose. He can't be voted out. And we just have to remember that and not take on a doomsday attitude. So um, one other thing we got to learn too, and we're all learning this and I'm learning this, the values and priorities of the Lord Jesus are very different from the values and priorities of politics. Did you know that? God's values don't always shine through in politics. And even, even believers, even Christians start to think that politics is the answer to the world's problems. We think it's, in, it's all about government. And if we're spending more time listening to talk about that, we're just going to get more and more askew, and we're going to lose our worldview. If you're listening to political commentary and news about politics more than you're listening to reading the Word, reading some good books about having a God, godly perspective, you're, you're going to get out of balance. So we have to be careful about that. So uh, let me start by looking at Romans 12, 2, and 3. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures today. We'll get as far as we can. We probably won't make it all the way through. But Romans 12, 2, and 3, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you vote. No, changing the way you think. <laughs> then you'll learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. What's the behavior and customs of the world when it comes to politics? Win, win at all costs. We got to win. You know, run down your opponent. Run down people that disagree with you on your political views. Speak your mind because you've got to be heard, even if it hurts other people. Uh, vicious name calling and finger pointing, you know. And you might say, well, Greg, you don't understand. There's just some really bad stuff going on with that guy. Or their agenda is going to be really bad for our country. And, you know, don't worry about that. Uh, the Lord Jesus said that uh, God is not mocked what a person sows they're going to reap. It's not our job to correct everything, you know. What's better is we let God transform us into new people by changing the way that we think. You know, all of us in here, we're in the process of God changing our minds. We have a natural bent of the way we think. Um, you think like your family thinks. You know, you agree with a lot of things the way your parents raised you to think. We think certain ways. And that's not bad, but when we come to Jesus, one thing God starts is this, this process of changing the way we think. Uh, he wants to renew our mind, and that's good for us. You know, when God renews your mind, you make better decisions about life. You decide what God wants you to do, not what you want to do. Uh, tension in your life will go down. And you're going to be more helpful to people around you when God changes the way you think. 
And with this election, I'm, I'm thinking like Paul said something really cool in 2 Corinthians 1. He said this, and this would be good for us with this election, the way we talk. We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom, and this is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially towards you. Now, I want, I want the people who I do life with to be able to look at my life and the things I'm saying to them right now. And I can say to them, man, I spoke to you with the grace of God. Uh, what I conveyed to you communicated the peace of the Lord Jesus. That you get God's perspective about not just politics, but about life as we talk about different things going on right now. And one thing we need right now, we just need to hear from the Lord, church. What's God saying right now? Because I think that's getting lost in all the, all the talking that's going on. What is God saying to you about our country? What's God saying to you about uh, our city, about life? What's, what's he wanting people to know right now? Because as the church, we are the spokespeople for what God wants people to know and hear. And that's important. But we've got to realize that God's changing us as well. I love that Isaiah 55, 8, 9. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That is true about life. It's true about politics. God thinks differently than we do. His wisdom is foolishness to the world, and the world's wisdom is foolishness to him. <laughs> and what human politics says is important and what God says is important are, are two different things. So I'm just going to give just a couple things today. We're going to just to chew on a little bit, think about it. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast of what we're talking about today and just think about this. Uh, talk about some of this stuff during lunch, you know, with your family, with your friends, and uh, just chew on this a little bit. Number one, to the world, politics is the driving force behind everything. It's all about politics. That's what makes things work, you know? And for people that don't know God or depend on God, that makes sense. Because to a person who doesn't know God, they don't, they don't hear from him, they're not speaking to him. Um, the perspective they're getting is change is only going to come through government. And when people see problems and they don't know the Lord, they think government's the answer. Government's the solution. They looked at government for the solution for everything. And that's one reason that everything is politicized right now. You know, everything's got a political undertone. It's out of proportion. Politics seem like the most important thing in the world. Now, what does Jesus say? What's his, what's his perspective? He would say, my church matters more than anything else. My church is what's important right now. Politics is not the most important thing on the planet. My church is the most important thing on the planet. Politics are not going to last you know, our country's not going to go on forever. The church is what's going to last and is going to be here forever. Ephesians 3, 8 through 10. To me, the very least of all the saints, Paul writes, this grace was given. To preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten all people as to what the plan of the mystery is, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. And this is the part I really like. So that the multifaceted wisdom of God might now be no made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The church is the people, 
who proclaims the mystery of God's will to the world and to the universe for that matter. We're the ones. Man, if you, if you know the Lord Jesus, you're, you're part of that group and your job is to proclaim the mystery of who God is to the world and what his will is and his heart is. Politics is not going to do that. It's not. Government often proclaims what's the opposite of God's will and plan. But when we're walking in and living in and speaking His wisdom and His plan being made known to the world, we're cooperating with Him in His work. That's why the church is so important right now. In this this time when there's protests, there's riots, there's people in the street because they're excited, there's people whose hearts are broken right now, there's confusion, there is division, there are all kinds of challenges. Man, the church, it just reminds me, the church is so important. And you're vital in speaking God's plan at work, at school, in your family, everywhere you go. If there is ever time that our country needed to hear from the Lord, it's right now. And we're the mouthpiece. No pressure, huh? You know, we're the mouthpiece. Uh, Matthew 16, Jesus says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. He didn't say, I'm, I'm going to build a nation. <laughs> I'm going to build an organization or a business or a school. He said, I'm going to build my church because this is what's going to last, and this is, this is what he's been doing. Uh, he died for the church, and the church is what's on his heart. So if we're going to be effective as believers, we've got we to gotta love his church We've got to love the people around us and communicate what God is doing. Now, I'm a pastor, so it sounds a little, little biased for me to say this, but a lot of people today don't love the church. They don't love God's people. It's just a thing to go to on Sunday morning. Uh, people benefit from it. People go to churches to make business contacts, all kinds of reasons people go to church to meet somebody, you know, for community, which is important. Uh, but people benefit from the church, but they don't love it. If you're going to be a strong believer and follower, we've got, to, we've got to love the church because this is what God's doing right now. The election's important. This is more important because God is going to bring out of the church life for the world. So we sacrifice for it. Man, we're all in. Um, and our manifestation is the local church. One thing God's doing, and Will and I talk about this a lot, is we're just getting so, I'm getting so aware and thinking about so much about the global church right now. The church is around us in Wichita. Part of our pastor's gathering that we're doing every, every month is so that we can just speak life and encouragement to local pastors, to love them, support them, let them know that we're not competitive with them. We want to see them succeed. We want to see them grow. We want to see them reach people. We're praying for them. Man, we're supporting them. We're, giving, we're, we're getting advice. We're receiving advice. But it's, it's awesome. But the place where the global church shows up is in the local church. Right here, what we're doing this morning, building relationships, hanging out, this is where we flesh it out. A lot of people right now, they're, they're, they bounce around from church to church, or this church one Sunday, that's church the next Sunday. It sounds noble. You're like, I'm just about the global church. Well, if you don't, if you don't plant yourself in a local church, it's just talk. You know, it's like saying I'm all about the family, but you don't participate with your family, you know? Uh, this is where we flesh it out. This is where we love people that aren't lovable. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody, they're just not very lovable. 
You know, I'm looking at, you know, Joel and Alyssa hugging back here, you know, kind of, kind of making, you know, they're, they're, we, we need to be like that. We need to hug each other, love each other. Not as decent. Um, but this is where we flesh it out. This is, where, this is where it shows up. You know, can you love somebody who's really excited that Joe Biden is the next president of the United States if that's not what you wanted? Could you, were you excited when uh, Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton? Can you be excited for that person? Can you love them? Can you get along with them? You know? The church has to rise above division and politics to love each other and be for each other, even if we disagree. In fact, the disagreement is interesting because it's easy to love somebody who agrees with you on everything. But when you disagree with somebody about things that you're passionate about and you still love them and your love for them is more important than what you want politically, that's huge. That is huge. Uh, I love Ephesians 1.23. The church is his body, Jesus' body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. Okay? One thing I always hear people say, well, God doesn't need you. He can just do whatever he wants to without you. And that's partially true, but guess what? God, I'll give the other side. God needs you. You are his physical representation on this earth right now. He could have done it all himself, but he chose to put people, his church, on the planet to represent him and do his works. Uh, if we're not going to do it, who's going to do it? This is the way he chose to have things done. We are his representative. We are his mouthpiece. So remember when you're giving political opinions to people about what you like and don't like, corruption you see or don't see, remember that you're speaking for the Lord. You're bringing his perspective to people around you. And, and this is huge and it's important. Okay? Number two, as believers, we have a greater citizenship. And I remind myself of this every day. Uh, I love our country. I have lived in the United States of America for 58 years. <laughs> That's how old I am. I've lived here the whole time. Uh, our country is amazing, it's great. I've been all over the world. I love other countries and places I've been. I've been to India, I've been to Africa, I've been to Europe, I've been all over the place, South America, been to Brazil, Central America. Mary and I have been all over the world. And I love what I see, but man, I love to come home because I love our country. Um, it's full of flaws and mistakes, but I love it, and I'm excited about the opportunity to make it, to make it better. But it's going to have to be a Jesus solution, not a political solution, let me tell you that. But we have to know this, and this is important. Uh, there has to be a deeper allegiance for us. I love what Paul said, Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now he's, he's, he's talking about Jesus' second coming where he's going to come and bring the fullness of his kingdom to the earth and we're going to be under his government. But our citizenship, my first citizenship is not the United States of America. My first loyalty and my first citizenship is to the kingdom of God and his plan. That word citizenship uh, is a Greek word, uh, politiuma. Politiuma, it means government or politics. So Paul says, my government and my politics is in heaven. <laughs> That's my first politics, okay? It doesn't mean we bury our heads in the sand here and ignore the politics and government uh, of the U.S., but we need to know that politics and government not centered on the Lord Jesus is not going to succeed. It's not going to succeed. It's not going to make a huge difference. We've got to be 
concerned about more significant politics, his kingdom, his rule, uh, that's our citizenship. I am, first of all, speak for myself, I am a citizen, uh, I'm a member of his family, first of all. Secondly, I'm a citizen of the United States. My first and greatest allegiance is to him. You know, I will obey the laws of the United States of America unless they violate his will and his heart. And then I've got some thinking and some decisions to make. He is my first allegiance. He is my first citizenship. He is, he is my governmental leader. And see, this is totally different from the world's viewpoint. You know, um, we know the church matters and our allegiance to him and our family is where all this shows up. Number three, politics says that government will solve all your problems and save the world. <laughs> um, we know that's not true. Every, every election, what do politicians say? This election is the most important election in the history of our country <laughs> because it's an election that affects them, you know? Uh, they're the ones running it. Um, no human being can solve all our problems. Nobody but the Lord Jesus can save the world. Someone sent me a video of New York City today and when it was, elect it was announced that Joe Biden is probably the next president of the United States, there was a huge crowd in Times Square by his dancing, cheering, and I, and I understand that on a political level, but I also see the hope in people that, hey, this government can change the world. And no matter what government it is, it's just a government <laughs> of human people. And we have to be confident that the change is going to come through us. Let me say that again. We have to be confident that the change is going to come through us. It's going to come through his church. It's not going to come through a government. It's not going to come through Joe Biden. It's not going to come through Donald Trump. It's going to come through his church. And we need to understand that. Um, if we trust in people, we're going to be severely disappointed. I love what Psalms 146, 3 through 7 says, and it's very interesting. It says, do not put your trust in princes. Now, who are princes? You know, this was, this, was in the, this was during the monarchy, and you had the king and the queen, or the king, then you had his, his, his sons that kind of went out and, and, and took care of business governmentally in the kingdom. You know, David had so many sons, and they were all over ruling different areas. Uh, whoever wrote this psalm said, don't put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs. He's going to die. He returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. Uh, happy is the one who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord, who made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. Okay? Who executes judgment? Not the prince, but the Lord. <laughs> Who gives food to the hungry? Not the government, but the Lord. Who gives freedom to the prisoners? See, it's all in God's hands, and we're part of that. But don't put your trust in governmental leaders. You're only going to be disappointed. Uh, we've got to look to the Lord. <laughs> in fact, Jeremiah 17 says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert. I like that picture, you know. 
Uh, I thought Wichita was the desert when we first moved here because I'm from a, we, we came from a land where we, we, Mary and I joke, the trees touch, you know. There's like a forest, you know, where we lived in Illinois. It was called the Forest City where I grew up in Rockford. And I moved down here and there's like the trees are smaller and they're kind of spread out and it just felt like the desert. And I was like, no, this isn't the desert. This is kind of halfway to the desert. But the picture is if you put your trust in a politician, you're going to be like a stunted shrub in the desert with no hope for the future. It says, they will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made, their, made the Lord their hope and confidence. If we, if we trust in politicians, we're not just going to be disappointed, but we're going to be stunted. <laughs> uh, as, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we have to practice every day putting our trust in Him. When there's a financial situation, you know, do you look towards the government or do you look towards the Lord? Uh, for unity in our country, are you looking for, towards a political leader to bring us together? Or are you looking to the Lord through the church? We have to practice every day in daily life putting our hope and trust in the Lord Jesus. And as we do that, we grow and we flourish and we grow. But if you put trust in a political solution, you're going to be stunted. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. Even if that person seems to be the better choice to you, you're going to be stunted. You know, I... I get, a, I get a rant every sermon, sermon, if that's okay. This is my rant. I, I see believers who love the Lord Jesus are on fire for him get hijacked by politics. Get so caught up in the, all the commentary, all the passion, all the enthusiasm. This guy's going to change everything. Or this girl's going to change everything, this leader. And they get hijacked by it. And they, and they lose their passion for the Lord. And it, it becomes a problem. Um, we, we have got to, in this season where, the, where politics are just pulling us like a giant magnet, <laughs> we, need to, we need to direct our attention to the Lord Jesus. Church, now is the time to tune into Him and hear what He has to say about our country and the world. Now is the time to get in the Word. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time to seek Him. He is speaking, and that's so important. Uh, number four, Politics thrive on fear and division. Uh, some of you guys right now are living in fear and division because you bought into the political solutions for our country. There's fear, and you're angry at people. I, I would even say, in some of this political commentary, this might sound weird, there, there's, a, there's almost a spirit of murder on it. We get so angry at people that we just want to wipe them off the face of the earth. I don't know if you've seen that. There is just this, you even hear it on, on news channels. I'm not going to quote specifically ones I've heard, even though I've heard them. But it's like, you know, they, like when, well, I'm trying try not to point things out. I'm not going to do it. But I've heard in, 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 on, on the news, well, I hope he just dies. Or I hope they just die. You know, there's a, there's a spirit of murder on some of this passion and this discussion that will seep into your life if, if you're not careful. You get so angry, you just want to see, you don't want to see somebody thrive or succeed, you know. Uh, and, and we get depressed, and some of us are struggling emotionally right now because we've invested so much energy and thought into a solution that's not a solution. 
<laughs> you know? Jesus is the answer to everything. You know, if our country, if people started finding Jesus and turning to him, um, there'd be more generosity. There would be more success in you know, finances and everything. There would be more kindness. There would be more love. There would be more consideration. There would be more unity. He's the answer to everything, you know? Uh, but politics thrives on creating division. You know, um, Mary's a communications major, and she, she understands manipulation. I'm a pastor, so I understand manipulation. Churches can be great manipulators sometimes. You know, we have to be, always be careful with ourselves. But, you know, we've been, part of what's been going on in our souls right now uh, is that we've been manipulated by a lot of political campaigns to hate a cause, to hate people, to hate things. We have been manipulated. Uh, politics thrive. You've got to have an enemy. You're, gonna, you're more likely to see, succeed as a politician if you have an enemy. And if you can get people to hate this enemy, then you can get people to do what you want them to do. If you can get people afraid of what's going to happen if someone gets elected and, you're living, and get them to live in fear, man, you're going to have their allegiance. They're going to vote for you because they're going to see you as the safe choice and the other person is the evil choice. I have never seen that before like I've seen it in this election. The other person is evil and vote for me and it's going to be good and safe. Vote for them and the world's going to be destroyed. <laughs> Practically has been said on both sides. Um, that just manipulates us. As believers, we've got, we got to navigate through the world. We've got to be in the world and not of the world. We've got to know the safe place is God's church. It's the Lord Jesus. He's the safe haven. One of our goals, and I've heard this from so many people when they come here, I like it here because it's safe. I like it here because I don't feel judged. You know? Um, and it's a safe place, and that's what we want it to be, and that's what God wants his church to be all over the world. Um, that's why one thing, people have been frustrated with me. I, from the beginning, I'm not going to bring politics into church. I'm, I'm not going to say, hey, we need it. Some churches are out campaigning for different people. That has always surprised me. There are churches in town, they're out campaigning for a senator or for a presidential candidate. They're going door to door. Man, why don't you go door to door about Jesus? <laughs> you know, you go door to door about handing out political mail. That's churches, you know. We're just not going to do that because God values unity, and the body can't function if it's not working together. Let's read a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 4. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I love that. Binding yourself, gluing yourself together, tying yourself together. You know, I'm not going to let politics, you know, create separation between you and me. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. 1 Corinthians 1, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. That, that word one mind, um, I can't even pronounce it in the Greek, but it means breathing together. You ever run with somebody or walk with somebody? You kind of walk in stride with them after a while? You ever run with somebody and you, when you get done running and you're sitting there and you're, <sighs> something that happens is when you're with somebody, you, your, your breath's going in rhythm with each other. <sighs> you're breathing together. You're, you're, that, you're that much in harmony with each other. And it's, it's really interesting. And that's what it means. 
God says, I want you to be bound together as a church. Man, I want you to love each other. I don't want you to let division, because division destroys churches. Division destro- and people get offended, and then there's this destruction, you know. Rather be united in thought and purpose. And it goes on to say this, and I like this. For some member of Chloe's household, when he called her out, <laughs> so this one lady, Chloe, cute name, um, have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Trump. Others are saying, I follow Biden, or I am a Republican, or I am a Democrat. Has Christ been divided into factions? Actually, it's not exactly, I edited that a little bit, you know, but you get, you get the point. They were, they were choosing allegiances with different spiritual leaders, and there was, it became divisive, and it, it was a problem. We've got to look at what divides people. We've got to take a breath, and we've got to think, you know, I don't need to say that. You know, this is not going to bring life. It's not going to bring unity. It's going to bring division. Now, it's okay to have somebody where you wrestle things out with them. Do you have somebody like that? You just sit down, and it's like, hey, we can talk about anything. We can disagree. Let's just wrestle it out. You know, having some coffee, let's talk politics, let's talk life, let's talk sports, whatever, and, you, and, you're, and, you're, and you're diametrically opposed, and you're talking about it, but when you're done, you're friends, and you love each other. You know, those things are okay, but we just don't want to go around spewing things out of anger trying to get our point across. Romans 14.1 tells us how to do this. Accept other believers who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. We don't have to see eye to eye in everything. We're a diverse group. That's good for us. You know, it's healthy. We form a great mosaic. And what matters most is, uh, isn't how we're all different, but what binds us together. That's what's important. That's Jesus. And we just need to know that pursuing him right now is going to do better than anything for us. And speaking life and peace and encouragement to each other is going to help too. Because unity is, is really important. One more scripture, Titus 3. It's, this is what Paul wrote to Titus, who was a church leader. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty intense. He says, reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, knowing that such a person has deviated from what is right and is sinning, being self-condemned. That is how much God hates division. He's saying, man, if you find someone who's just, they're just creating division everywhere they go, Man, just cut that, let, let, them, let them go somewhere else, you know? And we gotta be careful that's not us. And the last one is this. Um, politics say that results matter more than character. Politics say that results matter more than character. You know, um, when, a, when a person, when you, I, I've heard this later, lately, um, and it's a problem on both sides. Uh, character doesn't matter, results matter. That's not true in politics. <laughs> it's not, definitely not true in the church. You know, if, I, if my character is bad and I'm standing before you saying good things on Sunday morning, encouraging you to be godly and live for Jesus, but on the side I'm doing a lot of bad stuff, you know, that would be a problem. <laughs> character filters into life and the ends don't justify the means. That's why it's so important for us, if we want to be people of influence who really make a difference, we have got to be people of good character. Um, I learned in art class when I was in college that when you present a painting, and we, we, would, we would do works of art, and we'd put them up on an easel, and we'd present those to 
the class to discuss. So there's nothing like, you know, pouring your heart and soul out into a painting, and it's sitting there on an easel, and then everybody starts talking about it, and like, I don't like that color. I don't, you know, they start, start ripping it apart. Well, my professor, who uh, took the photographs for the, uh, the, I think the very first New King James edition of the Bible, he was a photographer, he went to Israel, and he took all the photographs that are in, in, in there, and... Um, was a, was a great accomplished artist. When, when your picture is sitting up on the easel, he would do something weird that I didn't understand at first. He would come, he'd walk up to it, and then go behind it. And he would look at how you constructed that and put it together behind the painting, not just in front of the painting. He wanted to, he wanted to see that you did it right on the part that you can't see and did it right on the part that you can see. And that's what's so important for us and something we should look for in a leader is that we want, we want to know that they're doing it right when no one's looking, when no one sees it. And I would challenge us with that today. The parts of your life that no one sees, are you doing it God's way? Integrity and character matter. Um, I, I will give you one more scripture, Ecclesiastes 10.2. A wise person's heart directs him towards the right way, and a foolish person's heart leads him toward the wrong way. You know, it's so funny, I was going to read it like this. In the, in the New American Standard, it says, a wise, person, a wise person's heart directs him towards the right, but the foolish person's heart directs him towards the left. That's what it says. I thought, That's kind of divisive. I think I'll you know, find a little different translation of that. But the word for heart means our inner man, our mind, our will in our heart. It's our character. Um, I thank the Lord that when, when, when the Lord Jesus comes back, he's going to be a great leader for a whole lot of reasons, and he is a great leader. But one reason he's a great leader is because he has great character, and he's lived it out, and he's doing the right thing all over, and he's going to come. And this is what we need to know. As frustrated as we get about politics and politicians, the Lord Jesus is going to return I don't know how it all is going to flesh out, but he's going to come and establish his government on the earth. He's going to bring justice, real justice. He's going to bring peace, real peace. He's going to bring unity. He's going to bring life. It's going to be government the way that God intended. It's going to be wonderful. (laughs) And we pray for that day. You know, when you see a politician do something stupid right now, it's like, good grief. Instead of, you know, bless that person, bless them. <laughs> Lord, bless, you know, our president in Jesus' name. But Lord, bring your kingdom. Bring it, bring it now. It's coming now in part. But Lord, I look forward to that day when you bring it in your fullness. So what are some things that we can do right now to help us navigate through this crazy political season? Let me just give you a couple things. Pick one and really work on it this week. I'm going to give you four real quick. One, uh, repent if you've let politics become your saving grace right now. If you have just put your, all of your hope for the future of our nation and the church and yourself and politics, I want to encourage you to uh, just confess that to the Lord. Somebody, not everybody likes my sermons, do they? <laughs> if... <laughs> I feel like that sometimes, you know. 
But if you've been, if you found yourself putting your hope in politics, um, and 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 you're you're just you're just deeply invested in it right now, man, talk to the Lord about that. God, I'm sorry, I put I put way too much hope in a political solution, and I want to get more in touch with your solution. That's just, that's a, if that's where you are, that's a great place to start. Number two, back off the stinking political commentary right now. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Just take a break, for goodness sake. <laughs> uh, don't fill up with that stuff. It's just creating a lot of anger and frustration. It's not going to help you. Take a, take a break and use this as a chance just to listen to IHOP or something. Uh, number three, start proclaiming the Lord Jesus as the only answer. When you're in a conversation that turns political, why don't you turn it to Jesus? <laughs> why don't you turn it, you know, that's crazy. Just, I'm just, that's one reason I'm just so glad that the Lord Jesus is coming back. <laughs> that'll, that'll change the conversation real quick. You know, you know God's government's going to be amazing. He's going to bring real peace and unity. It's going to be awesome. Man, I'm looking forward to that day, you know. And uh, just use this as a chance to proclaim who God is. Fight the, fight the urge to run some politician into the ground and say something bad about them. Okay? I'm not telling you to bury your head in the sand, but speak life. You know, we always joke in the South and Tennessee, it's like, God love them. <laughs> you know, when you want to say something bad and you're just not going to say it, God love them, you know. And just, just be, a, be a person that brings peace and doesn't, doesn't foster the division. Those water cooler conversations can get really deep with anger. And we want to be, uh, we want to throw a little water on that, you know. Uh, number four, be ready to bring comfort and perspective to those around us. There are people who are hurting, there are people who are frustrated, there are people who are crying in the workspace next to you. <laughs> and it will be that way with every election. Bring God's perspective, bring comfort, love people, listen, bring the hope of the Lord. Remember who you are. Dude, you're the church. You're the one proclaiming the manifest, manifold wisdom of God to the universe. God is waiting to use you to speak life in the situations because it's powerful. He's invested in you and it's in you and you got this. So let's be the church everywhere we go. Next week we're gonna talk about how to pray for our country, how to pray for our leaders, how to respect our leaders even when we disagree and we're gonna bring that perspective and we, we might do a th third week. I'm thinking about Jesus and politics because Jesus had some really interesting ways that he approached and dealt with politics. You know that Jesus was born into, into a, a, worst, a worst, more politically divided situation than we are right now? And he navigated his way through that with grace and style and spoke God's truth. So we might look at that too. We'll see. Let me, let me pray for us. Lord, we love you today, and we thank you that you're bigger than this election. Lord, that your plan is, is moving forward, Lord, with strength, like a mighty river that nobody can stop. Lord, we welcome your kingdom today. God, we welcome your kingdom. Lord, let it manifest in us even this morning. Lord, as we're praying and hanging out together, Lord, show up with healing in your wings. Lord, show up with comfort, with... Um, with grace, with power, and with your love today. Lord, I thank you that you are everything that we need this morning. 
And Lord, I thank you that you just want to fill us, fill us with the fullness of who you are, that we can live it out and love you and love others. So Lord, right now, if there's any needs, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and, and minister to these needs. And Lord, we, we thank you for who you are and for what you're doing here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.